Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney, and well, the Jaguars' momentum is officially gone. I'm done picking again. I'm yeah. done picking for them. I, I think we've, we've gotten to a, a safe point where it's better for them if we pick against yes, them because absolutely. we made the mistake of picking them again. And uh, obviously they went out, laid an egg out on the field in Seattle. An what, egg would be too kind, I think. An egg is being Absolutely very embarrassing. Kind. You know, uh, I don't want to rehash that game too much, but the biggest thing that's bothered me this week leading up to the, uh, the game against the Buffalo Bills, uh, the coaching staff continues to harp on uh, trying to find these little rays of sunshine throughout these games. And this week theirs has been, well, we played well in the second half. I'm like, you do realize you were down by 20-plus points at halftime. Yeah. Like, what, you, Seattle took their foot off your throat. What do you mean you played yeah. well in the second half? They're like, well, the second half, the defense played great. No, they didn't. Seattle nah. wasn't trying to kill you anymore. And, it, you know, it's those little rays of sunshine that they seem to find where the rest of us are like, uh, wait a minute. Uh, that that seemed to bother me the most yeah, about this it's, coaching staff. It's it, like, are you being realistic? Are you just trying to make yourself feel good? Or do you actually believe this? Because that's just... It's like you were down 24 points at halftime. Hadn't scored. Somehow the Seahawks, had they knew they had you beat. Yeah, and you <laughs> took the foot off the gas. And they did have, you know, I thought their three downs inside the uh, the one-yard line were, were positive strides. Were oh, man, that was a great, that was probably the high point for them to, of the game. To me, that was a, the, the high-water mark of that game was on that opening drive for Seattle. And um, I know Geno ended up uh, jumping over the pile and getting in, but a great three downs yes. for that defensive front. Um, and yeah, Urban's been beating the drum. Oh, it was a tale of two halves, and it was a tale of one half. And uh, the one half, Seattle absolutely mauled Jacksonville and didn't have to do much in the second half. So I think Seattle's game plan changed in the second half, uh, shifted into more of a conservative, um, you know, clock killer kind of game. They didn't need to do much in the second half. So yeah, it, it, kind of finding those uh, little nuggets of optimism. Great and sunshine and rainbows for that coaching staff. They can hang something, their hat on something. But just to me, four quarters of absolute disappointment take away that uh, that great three downs uh, on that first drive of the defense. Well, moving forward, the the trade deadline has passed. The Jaguars have made no moves. So uh, this is the roster that it looks like we'll be sticking with. And plus, maybe they sign some. App named star wide receiver that's been waived by his roster. That's another conversation maybe we can have next week. Uh, Would you have made a trade at the deadline? Uh, look, I, I personally think they needed to make a move. I think that it, it's time to shake things up. Uh, this roster is devoid of talent. The question is who is available. Can you convince me that Odell Beckham Jr., since the Browns just cut him, was not available? No. Did you make a call, offer something in 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 return for him? I think the Browns would have taken that deal and sent brought him here. Does that necessarily mean that he turns it on and becomes the Odell from New York when he gets here? No. But is he better than the wide receiver group that the Jaguars have now? Yes. I mean, is, Dan, is it worth the headache that he brings? Yes. You know, you think Dan so? Arnold is your second passing yeah. okay. option. Like on a good team, Dan Arnold is like fourth or fifth. Yeah. He's number two here in Jacksonville. And that's... Anybody, <laughs> like I, I, anybody at this point, if you are an NFL wide receiver, you should be calling Trent Bulky. Your agent should be on the phone, like, hey, my guy can run. Man, we we we've beaten this horse <laughs> so many times, but. You know, throughout training camp, we heard the receiver was the strength of the team, maybe bought into it a little bit, and it has turned into the black hole of the team. Nobody can get open. You know, LaVisca, what is LaVisca? Marvin Jones is not that burner receiver. Tyron Johnson, absent, um, can't find his way into the lineup besides a couple couple plays a game. Just unbelievable to me that that position is such a just – 
dearth of talent at that position. Yeah, Unbelievable. It's, that, it's bad. But I mean, at the deadline, I would have been I would have been buyers on wide receivers. I would have been a buyer on a corner. I mean, at some point, they have to get NFL caliber talent at corner. Where you can get it from, that's a good question. Um, But I would have been buyers on any cornerback depth you can get because we know uh, what Clay Brooks is. We know what Trey Herndon is. I mean, they can still be as high as they want on Tyson Campbell, but he's a rookie who's not ready to play. So your defense can only be as good as your secondary is, and right now your secondary has one corner. You need at least three in the NFL right now. So, oh, no, if I was Trent Baalke, I would have been working the phone lines. All those sixth-round picks he has, I'd have shipped a couple of those things off and bought something. I mean, it's something. and I know that the you know not trading for Zach Ertz, you know he's he heavy price. He's on a one year deal, but I mean the guy goes out. He's making plays in Arizona. Mm-hmm. He's like the NFL man of the month. I mean it, it's just unbelievable the missteps of this this franchise. You know I know Trent Balk in the offseason and Urban were talking about leading up to the draft and free agency value, stressing the word value. Jaguars got almost thirty million dollars in cap space still. Thirty million dollars. It it just boggles my mind how how woefully performing some of these guys have been draft class has been below average outside of Trevor you know I've given them a, I've given them a pass on the offseason I mean overall if you look at a lot of the guys that got big contracts and free agency not many of them have performed outside of maybe like a Matthew Jadon who, uh, who's gotten quite a few sacks Trey Hendrickson's played well but he's not a 3-4 guy I mean, there were no other cornerbacks that they could have gotten that were impactful that were in free agency. None of the safeties that actually hit the market were very impactful. And there, there were no pass rushers outside of Jadon and Hendrickson who were impactful, but guys were getting big contracts. Wide receiver, real difference makers, yep. they weren't there. Um, this was a bad free agent class. Now, the draft, if you want to go back to that, we, we can dive in and say, oh, these were complete To me, mismatches. I would have I spent on a tight end in – in free agency. Well, who who do you buy though? Yeah, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. But has either one of them They've been not, worth the money? In they New have England? not. But I think. So, but I think you you throw a little bit of money and hope one of those guys can come. They had the money. They went into tight end with. I would have spent more on one of those guys than I would have spent on uh, Chris Manhurts. That's yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Man, Manhurts has shown to be a misstep for sure. Yeah, and, and just hope that one of those guys develop into that uh, that receiving tight end, which the team you know Dan Arnold. Fun guy, great guy, um, second leading receiver on the team. Shows you how bad that is. Um, but again, I would have rather had a Zach Ertz via trade, a six round pick. I would have rather had a Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith type of player and let them grow as opposed to, to spending big on a blocking tight end. Yeah. Well, you know, looking back, there are, there are some things. I mean, this te- this front office, this regime didn't inherit a lot of talent and. It shows out on the field. They do need to spend that money to revamp this entire roster. Um, the most immediate impact that I'd say that they should do is they should be putting in a claim for Odell Beckham Jr. The Browns have cut him now. Um, re- reports are out that they the Browns have worked his contract to where it, you're not inheriting that big number for this season. It's actually a pretty reasonable deal. Regardless of it, the Jaguars have the cap space to absorb that contract. He is a playmaking wide receiver, a vertical threat. Hands down, if he comes in here even as the, the shell of his former self, he's the best wide receiver on the Jaguars. Yeah, and that's what, with. you know, even is he worth the headache, though? And, and that's yes. the, the, the question. Yes, I is. think you look at guys like Antonio Brown, although the baggage there is a little bit different. Um, is he worth that? 
that that prima donna kind of thing, and you know you need something for the Jaguars. Well, let's, and, let's think about it this way. So Antonio Brown uh, just won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He, he kind of turned it on late, helped them pay mm-hmm. dividends. It didn't work in Oakland, but uh, clearly there were other things going on inside that Raiders yeah. organization. In Pittsburgh, the Steelers made some pretty deep runs with him. Uh, another prima donna that we always look at, Terrell Owens. That one flamed out spectacularly yeah. in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb. He was getting McNabb a, a, a number one target that he had never had before. Trevor never had a number one target. But that duo did flame out spectacularly after going to a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl where Terrell Owens played on a, a broken leg. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, if Trevor and Odell Beckham can get to a Super Bowl together, you know what? I think we'll take the flame out. Yeah. <laughs> so it would, it would definitely be a talker in the league. And, um, you know, for all the moves that Jacksonville made to, you know, to address the receiver situation, DJ Chark out for the year. Yeah. Um, LaVisca still kind of a man without a, a true role. He's I say not to make him Cordero Patterson. And yeah, I mean, you know, throw throw him as that gadget kind of guy. Um, yeah, kick the tires on Odell. I don't I, know if Odell's going to want to come here. And, well, he doesn't have a choice. He's waived. So yeah. because of the waivers, Detroit has first dibs and then so on and so forth. Jacksonville has number four. He doesn't have an option. He's on a two-year contract. If you pick it up, it's yours. Um, I would bring him here. Uh, hands down, plain and simple. I mean, even in Cleveland, he never really said anything publicly. Some of the players have, or Browns players even, you know, argued on on social media that some of the reports of him being a problem in the locker room weren't true. Yeah, I saw Willie um, Harvey, a former Menendez guy, yeah. um, say, you know, this was not true. But, you know, so, you have an unnamed source of a, of a Browns player saying he was a prima donna and uh, not that good. So I think you know, I think both sides. You, you think both he clears sides. waivers? I, I don't think he clears waivers. I think someone's going to pick him up. There are enough wide receiver needy teams out there, and I really hope the Jaguars put that waiver claim in for him uh, legitimately. I mean, uh, his dad was was the guy who kind of started all this the day before the trade deadline. He shared a video that showed Odell just ru- running wide open for Cleveland in every game this season and not getting the ball or not getting catchable passes. And I'm like, you know, that's a problem that the Jaguars would love to have. If yeah, they had a wide receiver who was just so upset that he was running wide open and not getting the ball, I, you know what? I can guarantee you Trevor's going to get him those passes. Yeah, Jaguars so, have not had a, had a true – Legitimate number one receiver since Jimmy Smith, and it's, Jimmy Smith, it's, maybe Allen Robinson, maybe a Rob, but, but he really we, turned it on once. Yeah, he we left. didn't see we didn't see a Rob. I mean, his last season in Jacksonville was on IR. Yeah, so uh, you never saw that best with a you know, a Rob, and his success has has really kind of come out of Jacksonville. You thought Marquise Lee could be the guy, injuries no. derailed his career. So, I mean, to me, to, to have a number one receiver, I've got, I go back to Jimmy Smith's time. It's and been a long time since uh, since they've had that kind of threat. If I was bulky, I'd, I'd have already put the claim in. Uh, the only way, if I, if I was the Jaguars general manager, the only way I don't at least kick the tires on Odell is if one of the three teams ahead of me put in a claim for him. So Miami, Detroit, and uh, Houston. If one of those three put in a claim for him, then I don't get the chance. But if it gets to your waiver claim, I don't see how you have an excuse not to pick this dude up. I mean, you need help. Your rookie quarterback, your future face of the franchise needs Absolutely. help. So, uh, regardless, he won't be here this week. We won't find out until Monday at 4 o'clock what Odell Beckham's future is. So, uh, let, let's move on to Sunday, because Sunday is going to come before Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jaguars have a tough date uh, against Buffalo. Uh, you know, we... We talked about winnable games. This one does not seem winnable on paper. The Bills, one of the best teams in the NFL. They have Super Bowl aspirations. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, probably an MVP frontrunner in Josh Allen. Uh, you know, 
This is going to be one of the few times in NFL history that an offensive Josh Allen plays against a defensive Josh Allen, and I'd just love to hear an announcer say Josh Allen sacks, sacks Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is, this is going to be a tough game. Um, but hopefully this can almost be – like, look, uh, overall I don't expect this game to be close. I think yesterday when I was talking, I, I, somebody asked me what my score prediction was, and I'll just give it early. I said 42-12. to 12. I, wow. I, I think Buffalo is going to wipe the floor. It's going to be ugly. But but I think the, the ray of sunshine that if I, I, that I would have going into this is you get a close-up and personal view of how to build the team. And that's what Urban, young Urban talked about this week in uh, early media availability was they are a blueprint of how to do things. When you look at what they've done under Sean McDermott, I mean, fans will remember them playing – Jacksonville in the wild card game in 2017. Tyrod Taylor, um, that great Jacksonville defense held him to a field goal. Jalen Ramsey had an incredible interception to seal it. Um, and they have been in the playoffs three of Sean McDermott's four years. When have They had been in the playoffs since the late 90s before that. So what they've done in making moves, remember they traded for Stephon Diggs, um, they have drafted well, they spent frugally in free agency and, and signed the right guys, they've held on to the guys they've drafted, and look at them now. It's, it's what every organization talks about, tries to execute, and 90% of them fail at miserably. And Buffalo has just kind of went against that grain, and they are now heading – AFC Championship game last year for the Bills. So um, they're heading into the fifth season. They're going to be in the, the playoffs the fourth uh, the fourth season under Sean McDermott. So I think it's a great glimpse for Meyer and Trent Baalke to, uh, to say, man, okay, this is let's nitpick and, and see what they do well. Um, and I think seeing across the field from them, they run an un- unorthodox uh, defense, um, you know, the, the 4-3 defense now, and not a lot of teams run that. So I think it'll be good for Jaguars, even though I agree with you. I think they're going to get butchered on Sunday. I mean, the Bills are top five in defense and offense, and just not something that uh, Jacksonville does well on either sides of the, <laughs> either sides of that. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's not much that I'd really say this Jaguars team does well. They run the ball you know, well. Uh, uh, James Robinson probably not playing this week. So <laughs> Carlos Hyde. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't have that same faith in Carlos. No, we don't have that same faith. All right, uh, but you know, I really do think that this could be good for the franchise as a whole. I, you know, there are still questions about what Urban Meyer's future is, but even if Urban leaves, I think Trent Bulky's going to end up staying here one way or another. Um, I'm still not. I'm not saying that Urban is leaving after the season. That's yet to be seen. We'll have to see how this all shakes out. But I do think Bulky, uh, one way or another, is probably the guy that's going to lead this team for at least a couple more years as the general manager. Uh, with that in mind, I, I hope he is paying attention and, and even goes back a little bit because one of the things that Buffalo did prior even to getting their young quarterback in Josh Allen, they built their defense. And it was never they had star players on that defense. They just had a bunch of good, solid guys yep. at different positions and allowed that allowed their defensive coordinator to work. I mean, I remember they took guys, uh, what, Micah Hyde was a guy that was a, a free agent who – has still kind of bounced around the NFL, but he was so versatile that he allowed them to do different things. Got more picks than the entire Jaguars team has right yeah. now. Unbelievable. You know, so they, they really need to to look at what the Bills did, the order that they did it in, and, and try and take a page from that book. And if they're going to do that, what they need to do first this offseason 
is build their defense. They have to find that solid foundation. I mean, you've got a couple of pieces. I mean, if I'm looking at the defense right now, I'd say I like Shaquille Griffin, ideally a number two corner, but I think he's done yeah. good, done well as your top corner. I like him. I like Devon Hamilton as the nose tackle in your defense. Outside of that, I'm kind of yeah, eh on anybody else. Uh, Josh Allen's all right. Um, but you, you've got to add pass rushers. And this Bills defense at its peak, when they were a defensive team that was grinding out wins with a young Josh Allen who was running for a lot of yards, um, they had pass rushers. They had quite a few. They had Shaq Lawson. They had they had quite a few guys um, that were out there that were able to get after the quarterback. And they never had much star power. This Jaguars defense does not have star power, but they have to add more serviceable, solid NFL players along that defense before Trevor finally flips that switch and you can say, okay, you know what? We're an offensive team yeah, now. And they've got a lot of, you know, I think that value word comes back to bite Trent and Urban because they have a lot of value guys. Right. And value guys I don't think win in the NFL and um, they have just almost lived and died with that value terminology, and that's what you've got. You've got uh, Jihad Ward, you've got uh, Roy Robertson Harris, and you've got all these value guys. But at some point, you've got to go beyond that value and get that superstar. You know that that linchpin on the defensive line. You've got to pay somebody. You've got to draft somebody who uh, you can meld and hold on to and give that second contract. And Jacksonville has just done such a bad job of it. And you addressed this earlier, but this, the, the cupboard was bare when bare. these two guys got in uh, got in to the franchise together. So this was a hard reset, a significant rebuild, and I think you see that this year. I don't know how many of these guys that we these guys that they signed this offseason or these draft picks. I don't know how many of these guys are around next year. You mentioned Devon Hamilton and, and Shaquille Griffin, and I would I would probably argue maybe Dewan Smoot is in there as well as as, as kind of contract as a, as a fringe guy that yeah. you could kind of keep. But outside of those three guys, you know maybe Tyson Campbell steps up in that second season. Um, but really, I, three guys on that defense right now where you could say okay maybe I could see them being part of long term plans, but. Too many of those value guys, um, you look at Buffalo, they draft well, they built it right, and I think they're built, you know, I think salary issues will eventually tear the team apart, and you'll have to kind of fill those gaps in. You've seen it with other great teams. That's how it always goes. But, you know, good teams are able to weather that storm, and Buffalo right now has shown they're a good team over a five-year period. I mean, you know, this is the fifth year of Sean McDermott's reign, and uh, they've been a playoff team just about they're going to be a playoff team this year. So four of those five years, um, only one season under 500. Um, you're playing for AFC championships. Definitely a blueprint. And yeah, I think Jacksonville had a little bit of that um, in in 2017 when they made that run to the AFC championship game. They had foundational pieces: Jalen Ramsey, Unique, you know, Calais. When they brought him in, they had the perfect kind of alignment with guys they drafted playing big roles. And, you know, Jan wasn't a first-round pick, but he no. played better than Dante Fowler. You have to um, draft well. You've got to draft well. And that that 2017 team was kind of morphing into that, where you had solid pieces on defense, good free agent signings. Um, you drafted well. You're hitting on those guys. And then, obviously, we saw it fall apart. But had Jacksonville been able to kind of keep that train rolling along, which they didn't, and Buffalo did. No, they, you've got to do those things. And, like, one of the reasons Jan was available in the later rounds is because he was a little bit undersized. People were questionable if he had the size to be a pass rusher. And those are the kind of guys that you have to look for in the third and fourth rounds of the draft. I don't really want to dive too far into draft philosophy, but I do want to hit on something because I, I noticed that we both kind of mentioned it as we talked about what this defense could morph into and the linchpins of the future. And we both left off 
Miles Jack. Yeah, that's true. And is I, he with? Is he with this team long term? You see, uh, I like Miles as a player. I think he's a really good player. But the way he plays to me looks like almost window dressing for a good team. Like he's the kind of guy that could go and join a Tampa Bay, join a New Orleans, join a Buffalo and put their defense to the next level because they already have so much talent around him. So all he's going to do is turn on the speed, go sideline to sideline and make plays. He's freed up. But on a a struggling bad defense, he's not that kind of difference yeah. maker. Uh, at least that's the, that's why he was so good in 2017 yep. when there's all this talent around him and he's freed up to run around and make plays and be the window dressing of sorts. Um, same thing, uh, well, maybe like 2018 he was a little bit before they started. When, that was when they were moving him around. But, you know, I, I really think that he's that, you know, window dressing almost of sorts of player. He can put a good team over the top. But on a, a a struggling defense that needs talent, eh, he doesn't really yeah. he doesn't really raise that level of play that much. Yeah, and I question if he's gonna if he's gonna be a long term kind of guy. At some point, Miles Jack is gonna get sick of losing, and maybe want to move on. Um, you know, we've seen this linebacking core remade since you know the, the Meyer and Balky regime. Even with the, the Doug Marone, uh, his last time in mean, the, the linebacking core with Joe Schobert last year coming in, just remade, and that was Miles the only constant in that linebacking core for what seems like the last five years. Um, I just question if he is going to be that guy. He's getting he's getting a little older. He's been in this league a little bit of time. So will he be part of the Jaguars' long term plans um, for what they want to do in, in this new uh, this new era? So. He, I think he could be a guy. Same thing with Josh Allen. I think he could be a guy, too. Um, I think we, we still are waiting to see that full, true Josh Allen, the good Josh Allen, by the way, um, <laughs> blossom and take off and build off that rookie season. And I don't think he – he had Calais Campbell on the opposite side of him that year. And um, I don't know if Josh Allen is at that point where he's takeover game kind of good. Um, I think he needs you – know, you alluded to it, Batman and Robin. I think he needs a Batman alongside him to, uh, to really untap his potential. On the other side of the ball, the ja- the Bills offense and the Jaguars offense. Not uh, both of them want to use like spread concepts out there. Josh Allen, not exactly the same kind of quarterback that Trevor Lawrence is, but hopefully they can take a few notes from that as well. I mean, Buffalo did a good job of putting a a solid offensive line in front of Josh to give him enough uh, enough time. They don't really have a dynamic running game outside of using Josh. I mean. Moss is okay. Singletary is serviceable, but they they put some good receivers there. I mean, Cole Beasley uh, is one of the top slot receivers in the league. Stephon Diggs had a huge coming out party once they were able to get him. Um, And then they add Emmanuel Sanders, who, while an older player now, is still a a solid NFL receiver. Uh, Plus, you, you know, a tight end, Dawson Knox, who is a receiving threat, who has some wheels on him. Uh, so I, I think they can also take some notes from this Bills offense. While not exactly identical, but build a solid offensive line, give your quarterback some good receivers, spread the field, and let him go. Yeah, and we know, I mean, you mentioned Dawson Knox and, and tight ends. It's an area I'm concerned about on Sunday, which Jacksonville's man penchant for letting tight ends absolutely maul you they don't have in the passing game. Him. I th- is, not, is Knox playing? I think Knox is a little hurt. He's banged up, yeah. but I, I think he's uh, he's uh, practiced this week. Okay. So. Well, if he goes, they, they don't have anybody to cover him. Uh, you know, I'm, that's Miles just Jack's kind of like zone of expertise, and they don't really let him do it a whole lot anymore. I don't know. <laughs> you know, look, all right, overall uh, – this is a game that we highly expect the Jaguars to lose, and we've kind of reached that point where the season is 
over of sorts where we're looking for signs of life for the future. We're looking for progress from Trevor. We'd like to see no major injuries the rest of the way. And uh, you start almost looking at draft position is where you kind of your attention kind of drifts to. But at what point do you think that they, th- there's a, a fine balance between, especially for Urban, there's been a lot of reports of malcontent in the locker room. He's trying to hold this thing together and constantly saying all we're doing is focusing on winning a game. But he has a lot of young players that haven't played. I mean, Tyson Campbell's playing, but outside of that, I mean, Walker Little hasn't played. J2 Fele hurt, but it still hasn't really played. Andre Sisco has not played. Jordan Smith can't even get active. Um, at, at some point, he kind of needs to see those guys so he can start looking towards the future and looking towards the next draft, but that's at the risk of losing the locker room even more because you're already losing games and guys are already kind of looking at you sideways and it's like how do you get some of these guys some of the playing time there's a there's a very delicate balance on how to finish the rest of the yeah year. i mean you, you look at smith i mean it says something when this is the worst team that we've seen in i would say not in a long time but this is definitely one of the worst teams in the nfl this year and it says something when you're you're not even active for those games you know walter walker little was a project second round pick but, you know, him, he's got to be on the field, especially with this offensive line being um, as uh, erratic as it's been. Um, I, I don't know what the, the magic number is. You know, if you're 1-10, in 10, you throw in the talent and say, okay, we're starting all of our young guys. You know, we're benching uh, Wingard. We're benching, uh, you know, Cam. And we're, we're going with the total future mindset. And I think you do risk alienating guys and, and older vets and stuff. But you've got to be – I think it's a, it's a tricky balance – when you have to weigh out the future and are these guys we drafted in the second round worth anything going forward? Is Walker Little going to be cut next camp? I mean, is Taven Bryan uh, even a, a bubble player next year? No, I, I just I think you've got it at some point in the season when it becomes apparent that you're not going to win games in this league with this roster you have. You've got to kick the tires on those guys. You've got to at least see Andre Sisco, give him a start, and see what he can do. I mean. It, you just you draft these guys for a reason. You need to know what you have going into next year. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's just hard to the, – the Walker Little pick, I understand why he's not playing. My thing is why do you pick him there? You're not in a point of your build where you can afford to draft a guy in the second round and let him sit for a year. You needed to be drafting starters with, like, your first three or four selections. Um, and that that Walker Little pick could have been someone – could have been a wide receiver yeah, that could have I, helped. It could have been a tight end that could have helped. Th- it could have been a cornerback that could have helped. Yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, – I, I really thought the last – you know, beyond Trevor, those next three picks were extreme reaches. You yeah. know, high – maybe high risk reward. I thought ETN was a luxury pick. I mean, luxury. I think that's a, that's a pick when you're a uh, Super Bowl champion or something like that where you can kind of um, – you say, hey, let's let's uh, do this. You know, this is this is something we want to do. Where you take a flyer on a guy, where you have a little bit of that luxury. Um, uh, Tyson Gamble was a total project. He was, if you've seen any Georgia games, you knew he struggled there um, against SEC competition, and he's shown that he's not ready to be a starter right now. Maybe that changes next year. And Walker Little, a, a complete project. Yes, he had potential, but he's missed the last two years of football in college. Mm-hmm. So. Those picks were, were either made with, man, these guys are, are going to be better than people think, or complete developmental guys where you were not expecting to get much of anything out of them originally. I, I thought ETN, though, among those picks was, was probably the worst pick of those three just because there were so much more pressing needs in 
this team in in that spot in the first round. Offensive line, defensive line, something uh, could have been done with that ETN pick. Not nothing against Travis, but I just think that was more of a luxury pick. Hey, we're one, you know, a couple players away on offense from making this an elite unit, and I think that uh, that completely <laughs> completely backfired on them. Well, we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out this week. Uh, I don't even think we really need to do a, do much of a pick here. I think I can speak for both of us when we say we expect the Jaguars to uh, add another loss to their record against Buffalo. Um, and then I guess that alarm tells us that we're wrapping this thing up and we are moving on to the next week. Uh, thanks for listening to another News for Jags podcast. We'll see you next week.